Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 162 for Monday, October 11th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, the Demon Lord Slayer, but also Pixar Earth. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello. Yes, you can hear all about me slaying the uh, the Demon King and uh, Joel's experience watching Black Widow on Disney Plus over at the Render Distance. That's the extended version of the podcast, which you can get if you support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the spawn chunks for all the details and get in on the extended conversation. But... Uh, Aside from that, we've got to talk about what we're doing in Minecraft this week, because uh, beyond that, there is some news, or perhaps not some news. More later. For now, Joel, how is the Citadel? So I have been working on, and I believe have completed, uh, the barracks build uh, on the Citadel. It took a lot of landscaping and uh, kind of... Someone described it on the stream on the weekend as very deliberate Minecraft play. And yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, I don't just walk into an area and hit bone meal mm -hmm. <laughs> and, then, and take what it gives me, right? Yeah. Like I'm strategically placing bushes. I'm mixing up jungle bushes and azalea bushes, which meant like going to the jungle and getting some jungle leaves. And like there's a whole, you know, prep for this one little bit of landscaping. But it's worth it to me to have the tools that I want to use in order to lay this thing together. And so now uh, both sides of the river have been stonescaped, landscaped. There's a stone dockyard. There's a, a wooden dockyard. There's a stairs in a couple different locations. Little bits of greenery and grass kind of poking through where the cliff was a little bit too steep, you know, for people to build stairs on it and that kind of thing. And uh, lesson out of it is just that this kind of stuff always takes time. Uh, I, I probably did about a three hour stream doing nothing but like landscaping and, and like mm -hmm. little details and stuff on the, on the riverfront, but boy, does it make a big difference? Like now that both sides of the section of the river in this area are completely done right up to the, the bridge that kind of marks the edge of town all the way into the other bridge, everything in here is completely finished and, uh, it feels good. Like it feels really complete. It feels lived in. It's got some really cool reflections when I use shaders in the right light. Like at nighttime, it looks really cool. Um, there's just a lot of, uh, I'll call it like congeniality. Like just, there's just a lot of, of, it just feels together. It feels like a sandwich with all the pieces, right? You get, yeah. you get the you get the bacon, you get the tomato, you get the bread, you get the lettuce. Everything just kind of looks good. I'm looking at and... a lot of lettuce in one of these screenshots. Let me say the um, <laughs> the screenshot that I'm sure we will have in the the show notes for everybody. You've got like a kind of hill mounted up behind one of the buildings that's got a big tower. Um, mm -hmm. and, and leaves kind of growing up the chimney and stuff. I love that as a feature because we were talking in a previous episode about maybe needing to get a few more trees and a bit more green space in there, even though it's kind of like, you know, what classes as an urban environment for a medieval era. And I love the fact that you've got this, it's overhanging the water, it's got leaves and ferns and stuff growing up in there, and it's clearly on a slope that, like, nobody's going to be able to get, like, a rudimentary lawnmower up there to cut the grass or anything, and nobody's going to bother because it's just down by the, the docks. But that, like, splash of green in the midst of all the grave really starts to bring it to life. And I think some of the, the screenshots you've got here are just looking so immersive with just a few little extra details thrown in. Thanks, man. Yeah, I thought about putting a tree there, but then also didn't want to block the view of the building like because a tree would basically block a huge chunk of that tower. And I was just like, mm, I think I'll just go with like a bush like going up the, the chimney and whatnot. But um, yeah, my new favorite thing is to do like kind of like a 60-40 mix of grass and ferns 
and then bone meal them so they're all too tall Mm -hmm. and just cover the entire hill with it and then go back later with your shears and like add in like an odd bush at like 10 or 20 percent and just like have you know like a, a full leaf block uh, and then obviously like do like hanging leaves and bushes and stuff. And I can't take credit for the idea. I mean, I've seen Scar and um, other players do um, great stuff with hanging leaves over the edge of stone rock faces yeah, over yeah. and over again. So I got the idea, um, but uh, really effective. Also um, really enjoying, you know, being able to use stone stairs and stone slabs to kind of make something look less minecrafty you know Mm -hmm. like it just it it takes the squareness out of things and so it was a lot of fun to work on that it took a little while but um the the other thing that i i like uh having in there is um this new little detail that i've got going on where you put water behind two stair blocks waterlog the bottom stair and then put a cauldron full of water in the front of it and it looks like water coming out of a hole into the cauldron mm-hmm. it's a little stretch of an imagination but it's so much better than anything else that i've been able to do with water in the game trying to get it to trickle down into something yeah yeah you know like like you don't really have eavesdrops or water pipes or you can't really have like rain coming down a gutter into a barrel mm-hmm. i wish yeah. you could but like it's not quite possible uh, and it's the closest thing i've come so just little details like that that i've been able to put in various places around the town switch up how they're done a little bit each time so that they're not just a a copy and i just find that out of the corner of your eye it just adds a lot of life as you're as you're walking around so walking through this area is really fun now because i've got six ways to sunday to get into most places like Mm -hmm. i can go in a building i can go down the stairs outside i can go up a hill i can just swim across i can take the bridge it's starting to get confusing <laughs> sometimes where i'm just like i'll pause midstream just like which way am i going right okay is it was that the fastest way no i could have gone downstairs <laughs> like it, is, it becomes a little bit too much sometimes but uh the last thing that has to be done is uh i'm going to be putting in access to the towers uh across from the barracks so that the soldiers if they were to live there could get up on top of the wall fast but those towers right now are just hollow but that's just going to be a simple like wooden staircase inside that's i've done a number of those that should be pretty straightforward so we're almost done in this area and then it's time to move into like the middle of the city yeah it's looking good man and especially like i i like looking at the the top right hand corner when you've got it in the screenshots with the the minimap mod you're using because oh, yeah. that as a top down view just looks really cool now <laughs> like with the amount of like roofs you've got in there and a bit of variety and building up and you can kind of see where the line of the river is cutting through all of it it makes for a uh, a very cool effect so you'll have to post a screenshot of like you can get a full screen minimap view now right yes so you, yeah you can, well, yeah like post a screenshot of that if you can because i would really like to see how that's all all coming together from a, a top-down view 100 percent. yeah it's it's one of my favorite things about that that mod is just being able to look top down and see that like it reminds me of the like the lego cities or the little um I, we called them dinky towns when i was a kid you mm-hmm. had like little model little metal race cars they're about two inches long and your 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 mat you would roll out your mat and it would be like a street like a city block of like streets and stop signs and stuff like that you mm-hmm. drive your little cars around but i thought it was the coolest thing ever to just look down at this world that i just rolled out onto my floor and this is i get the same feeling with this is that like as i'm building this town out it starts to have like this like um not it has like a medieval map vibe to it i guess because of how natural the colors are in in the mod but yeah i'll, I'll have to take a screenshot of that uh what uh, what have you been up to in minecraft 
Uh, I have been working on a very long-term project on Empire's SMP. I've been working on the Ant Hill, which I've already had to tear down parts of once, but now I'm rebuilding it, and the sandstone foundation has gone in so far. It's basically uh, Survival Guide Mountain 2.0, um, where it's it's not as big as that project was, but it's it's certainly up there in terms of materials especially, because getting hold of sandstone in any kind of large quantity is is quite a task because you can't just grab it from somewhere you have to take off all of the layers of sand on top of it and if you're like me and you don't want to craft that sand into sandstone there's more digging you have to do after that so it's not as easy as setting up a stone generator and just leaving it running that i needed to do for the the survival guide mountains but this is going to be topped off by uh, some terracotta and some deep slate and a couple of the different wood types to blend some stuff in. It's going to need a lot of detail. It's probably going to have a few green bits on it here and there, but overall, I think it's uh, it's working out pretty well so far. I don't have many good screenshots of it right now because effectively it's just a wibbly-shaped hole in the ground <laughs> at the moment, but it's uh, it's turning into something pretty special from the perspective of the base. Yeah, I like the... Uh... I like the way that it's like twisting, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I decided to go with a um, a kind of a look that wasn't too uniform, and it it's not necessarily been a a man made construction in the the lore of the world. It's been a little bit more kind of shaped by the desert sand and wind and by time, and it's a, a natural mountain that the town is going to have been built around, which is kind of weird because I'm building it later in the development of the town itself. But, you know, if you imagine this is a place that's been there for a while, they've effectively clustered their buildings around. Maybe the protection from sandstorms or something comes from them being in the, in the, the lee of this enormous mountain. And so I've got uh, a build palette worked out for it that's going to work out pretty well. And eventually it will have this network of tunnels and uh, a bunch of different ways to get around it. You can come in at the the bottom of the whole thing and then find your way up to the top via, you know, paths and ladders and, and all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be labyrinthine and maze-like in there, but eventually it's going to be uh, it's going to be dominating the landscape of that area and since everybody else on the server has been doing sort of mega bases and larger scale projects i felt like i kind of had to step up at this point um so that hasn't left me time to do a whole lot of other things in minecraft i did spend a bit of time in this week's snapshot but it was mostly attempting something i did in last week's snapshot so i got the strider advancement in snapshot 21w39a um, I spent some time doing that on a live stream going for this advancement Feels Like Home, which was added previously but was kind of difficult to do because it requires you to ride a strider in the overworld in a in a large enough lava lake and the natural nether terrain isn't spawning correctly so there isn't any uh, warped and crimson nylium, there's no warped fungus growing naturally anywhere so you can't ride a strider without a warped fungus on a stick. There are two options for you at that point, as my comments section let me know. You could either find one of those striders that's already being ridden by a zombie piglin, and there's a very small chance that if you kill the piglin, if it gets close enough to land, because <laughs> you can't really get to it any other way, then you can get it to drop the warped fungus on a stick that it's already carrying. 
The other thing you can do is find a Hoglin Stables Bastion, because they sometimes have blocks of Crimson Nylium in the loot chests there. You can bone meal that to spread it, and then you bone meal the blocks themselves, and they can sometimes produce a warped fungus. <laughs> so... A very roundabout way of getting hold of it, but I did that on a live stream. It took about three and a half hours, uh, thanks to bastions being scarce, and I, I decided to do this in a naturally generated lava lake, which meant going all the way to deep slate level, and it was so far down that the first time I made a nether portal, it linked to a high enough coordinate in the nether that when the portal generated again going back through, it went to the surface in the overworld because the the portal at the floor of the world basically wasn't within range of the nether portal's like search that it does. So that was a bit of a setback. Um, but then eventually my, uh, my, my later exploration found another lava lake that I could link very easily to that portal and ride a strider through and we got the advancement. But there's... Um, yeah, there's there's a lot to it, and I expect it won't be nearly as difficult in the finished version, but I was was quite happy that I took the time to get it because it's uh, quite an adventure. Yeah, that's um that's a lot of work. And I I always I always think about this kind of stuff when we get, you know, messages or you hear stuff in in Twitch chat about people being like, "I'm bored in Minecraft, what should I do?" I'm just like, "There's Yeah. <laughs> there's there's tasks <laughs> laid out for you by the developer." <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like there's challenges right in the game. Um and I mean, I'm guilty of like I don't even remember the last time I opened up the advancements screen. It was probably the last time I played a snapshot if I was like looking to get a snapshot or if I was trying to figure out, you know, how how the game pointed me to do certain things um but i would say that would even have been like not a 118 snapshot but a, like a 117 snapshot mm -hmm. yeah um, as i was like trying to find you know you know ink sacks or like you know trying to do that kind of stuff that's probably the last time that i actually went through it so yeah there's there's a lot of stuff to do in there and i think it's it's very good if you're just like at a loose end in minecraft obviously it doesn't apply mm -hmm. to bedrock players unfortunately because their, their list of achievements is kind of something that you earn once rather than per world. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've attempted this advancement a couple of times in fresh survival worlds and used that as a way to explore this week's snapshot. But um, yeah, I was trying to make a YouTube video about it, but I kept abandoning that because I made silly mistakes. I died in lava, Hoglin got me, you know, there was a variety of mm. things that kept getting in the way of making that into a, a proper YouTube video. So depending on what we get this week, I might attempt it again, considering that you know, the devs are potentially busy gearing up for Minecraft Live, but uh, outside of that, I uh, I think it's probably going to be better saving this one until there is actual nether terrain again. Mm, yeah, I, that's always frustrating if you want to experiment in the snapshots, but then because of what they're doing, it's messing up some key forms of progression like the end or, or nether terrain or um, like there was a point there where like... Um, end gateways weren't spawning or, or mm -hmm. um you know fortresses weren't there it's like that kind of stuff is always frustrating i remember i even remember like having like a snapshot and really getting going in the snapshot but then re realizing that you had a really crappy or really challenging nether spawn oh, in yeah. like the first nether update um uh, snapshots and then you're just like well everything comes to a grinding halt because mm -hmm. i can't get the thing i need to to go forward so 
yeah it's always challenging i think it's going to be a really interesting aspect of 1.18 considering how different the terrain is in the overworlds like where you end up placing nether portals and what you use the nether for is potentially going to change so hopefully the uh, the terrain can be fixed relatively soon so we can get an idea of what that feels like before the full release arrives but uh, yeah it's certainly a little bit better than the experimental snapshots where nether terrain wasn't generating properly at all and you just ended up with sheer walls of netherrack and like no structures generating no biomes to speak of barely any flat ground um but yeah it's it's an interesting time but uh, looking forward to it and glad that it was at least possible to uh collect that that uh, advancement in in the snapshot uh speaking of snapshots though let's get into the news and let's start talking about this week this week, we've got Minecraft Java Edition Snapshot 21W40A. I'll have a link to the Minecraft.net article in our show notes. This time around, there are some additional tweaks to world generation and a few changes to mob spawning. Performance changes in the snapshot have been ongoing since 21W37A, and a survey is now available for players to provide feedback on their perception of game performance. Minecraft Performance Poll is a forums.office.com website we'll have a link to that in our show notes as well changes in w uh, sorry 21w40a include that copper ore now drops two to five raw copper items which is up from two to three in the stone cutter a block of copper can be converted to four cut copper several biome variants with similar features but different shapes have been merged and some biomes have been renamed under world generation, non-cave biomes no longer change with height, so no more savannas in the sky and things like that. Tweaked the relative size of some biomes to match 117 a bit closer. Increased the average size of most biomes. This also means biomes aren't in the same places as before. Fixed some aquifer issues. This also means that aquifers are in different places compared to the last snapshot. Slightly increased the frequency of underwater magma. Increase the amount of dungeons, especially below height zero. Gravel now generates below height zero. Villagers are slightly more spread out. Sorry, not villagers, villages, but I guess villagers too. Uh, water lake features have been removed. Aquifers provide local water levels. Mob spawning. Axolotls now only spawn in water, above clay blocks, in lush caves. Glow squids now only spawn in water blocks under height 30. Cod, salmon, pufferfish, tropical fish, squid, and dolphins now only spawn in water from height 50 to 64. Tropical fish now also spawn in lush caves at any height. Zombies once again spawn in dripstone caves. Drowned can also spawn in dripstone caves. Goats no longer spawn in stony peaks. Technical changes in 21W40A. Optimized AI for axolotls, goats, hoglins, zoglins, piglins, piglin brutes, and villagers. Bedrock layers generate dependent on the world seed now, whereas they used to generate the same. Bug fixes in 21W40A are mostly world gen related and are listed in the Minecraft.net article linked in the show notes. Minecraft Live 2021 Are You Ready is a YouTube video that uh, Minecraft put out on YouTube. Uh, sorry, that Mojang put out on YouTube, uh, they traveled to the basement of Mojang where they announced the announcement that we already knew about. Uh, they did leave a few tidbits that we'll get into in the news, but uh, basically it's just the announcement of the announcement. Minecraft Live 2021 also introduced the new mob video, the cute animated video with animated Agnes and Jens and Little Vu, which I thought was cute. 
they also announced the announcement of the announcement that we already know about. And then Agnes fell. <laughs> um, so we'll get into those once again uh, a little bit later. First of all, though, I want to cover a Minecraft Bedrock Edition beta that came out this week. This is beta version 1.18.0.20. We'll have a link to the changelog for that at feedback.minecraft.net. But if those numbers excite you, then good. This beta actually moves the Caves and Cliffs terrain out from behind the experimental features toggle in Bedrock Edition. Now every world generated in the beta version will generate with Caves and Cliffs terrain, much like Java snapshots if you are used to those. This also means loading existing worlds into this beta will introduce caves below Y0 and blend any old chunks with new terrain generation, so watch out for that, make sure you back up your worlds if you're at all concerned. It also changes ore generation rates to be more in parity with Java Edition. There are some changes to cave generation included. Old caves can now reach all the way to the surface, and the old cave carver placement is now on parity with Java Edition. Floating water no longer generates in caves after that being an issue in the previous beta, and we have tough blobs and deep slate patches generating differently. Tough blob features now generate below Y0, and deep slate patches no longer generate above Y0. In terms of other world generation stuff, they've updated the feature placement of granite, andesite, diorite, dirt, and gravel to closer match Java Edition, tweaked peaks to make small mountains look like proper jagged mountain peaks instead of flat, hilly mounds, improved blending between old and new chunks, and fixed a bug that was causing mineshaft tunnels to replace bedrock. In general, players with higher than recommended render distance settings are now prompted to change it to the recommended value when they load up the game. The render distance default and max settings have also been updated for better performance, and there are various other bug fixes, performance tweaks, and other changes, including mobs now pathfinding over trapdoors, mobs no longer walking through campfires or sweet berry bushes, but sweet berry bushes now being able to deal damage to mobs, Raid mobs will now despawn after a raid ends if the player moves far enough away, and Vindicators will no longer naturally spawn as part of an Illager patrol. We've edited down this changelog quite a bit, but you can once again check out feedback.minecraft.net for the changelog with a full list of changes to Bedrock Edition betas. So how do you feel about the announcement videos? Um... <laughs> I think it's probably just there for the YouTube crowd, because this is stuff that, like you said, we already knew about. We knew when Minecraft Live was happening, and we knew there was going to be a mob vote. The mob vote video is really just a prelude to, it's like the setup for them then going on a little animated adventure where they will tell us more about the mobs. Potentially, after this episode is finished recording, we might get the first one of those. And so I might cut in a little bit later if we have a discussion about the mob vote video if it is released today. Uh, so keep an eye out towards the end of the show for that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's there for the YouTube crowd, really. It's there for people who get their news from Minecraft on YouTube rather than from going to Minecraft.net every week the way we do. Uh, so I, I can't feel too harsh about that kind of stuff. Although I did notice the um, the Minecraft Live kind of save the date um, has started popping up on, on YouTube. So there is a way you can set a reminder for a live stream on YouTube that's going to be happening at a later date. And that turned up in my subscription feed this week as well. So either way, people are going to know when Minecraft Live is happening. And uh, yeah, the mob vote is happening as well. Um, how do you feel about it? Uh, I know you were looking forward to the animated videos coming back. So I expect you're at least happy to see uh, Tiny Jens and Tiny Agnes again. <laughs> 
I'm always there for the fun visual. Uh, when he whips out the phone that is the size of a car, like <laughs> yes. battery, uh-huh. like it just it, it has like Lethal Weapon vibes to me. From like I'm not sure how long it's been since people watched that film, but like it, it's funny when you watch like mobile technology in the late '80s to the early '90s. Mm-hmm. It's it's amusing, and to see like the cartoonishly large phone and just like I, I like the fact that they brought in uh, Tiny Vu. Have they done that before? I don't remember. I don't know if they've no, done that. I mean, Vu has always been the guy who presents the mob vote at Minecraft mm-hmm. Live, so it's good that they're including him this time around. Always, always yeah. fun to see more of the team in general, and yeah, it's nice that they, they brought him yeah. along for the ride this time. Um, but yeah, like a little bit of comedy, and, and hopefully that kind of leads into once we have all of the different videos, it's going to make a bit more sense as a little story. Yeah. Um, I think and I, I hear you on I hear you on the the you know it's the the other announcement videos for the YouTube crowd and like they don't necessarily have like a podcast they listen to about Minecraft at which uh-huh. point they should they should go find one. Do you know one <laughs> that they could listen to? I couldn't um, I couldn't possibly. Um, no, you know, me either. Uh, though, the, the, and this is not throwing any shade at Mojang specifically. I just get irritated by the general kind of like gaming really any media announcement these days it's just like it's there's always the announcement of the announcement it's like the the two second trailer before the trailer that you're about to watch on youtube it's like i'm mm-hmm. i'm here to watch the advertisement for your movie i don't need to see an ad for the ad directly in front of the ad like, yeah. just it's your audience is savvy they've been on the internet for a very long time and I think a lot of us would appreciate just like, just announce the thing. Like, just say, <laughs> like, for example, like this bit about, about uh, Agnes and Jens, while cute, they could have had that as part of the first video today, you know, mm-hmm. or tomorrow, or whenever it's coming out. Like that could have just been all one. I don't know why they had to separate it out. And like, I just, it's one of those things where I'm sure there's some marketing person that will tell me the statistics of like, well, if you announce it three times, we have so many more people that will show up and you know click yeah. the button or whatever like i get it i understand that there's some sort of metric uh but <laughs> it still makes me feel kind of like eye-rolly and old yeah when, it's, when it's, th- this kind of stuff happens it's a hype building thing really and i yeah. i think my the main thing that made me disappointed about it was that we didn't get to talk about what the mobs were on this yeah. week's show and <laughs> like we're gonna have to save all of our discussion of that along with everything else that we're going to learn from minecraft live so um yeah it's, it's mostly from a podcasting perspective that i get disappointed by this stuff but um yeah the the other video the uh the kind of the basement video uh that sort of announces yeah make sure you remember the date it's uh october 16th 12 eastern time um did confirm that we're getting an update on minecraft dungeons which i don't think was confirmed anywhere else prior to this maybe it was in the minecraft.net article and i just skimmed it um but yeah and it's it's quite clearly signposted i mean laura is one of the the minecraft dungeons devs um and has been in minecraft live previously they had somebody playing the minecraft dungeons arcade game and then when she goes down into the basement to find vu already kind of going through his script for the event he mentions an update on minecraft dungeons so it's clear that they're trying to signpost the fact that minecraft dungeons isn't going away now all the dlc is out and so that's the main thing i took from that as an announcement video but uh yeah evidently for for it being mostly information we knew already i wasn't uh, wasn't too bothered i mean we'll dig into i think some of the details of the um the mob vote video uh, a little bit later but uh, moving on to the snapshot i confess i've been a little bit checked out of the snapshots i've been watching like video summations of them and stuff online from our favorite creators and i i haven't felt the need to jump into them myself 
um, mostly because I'm having some technical problems with Minecraft anyway, and I don't want me having a technical issue to kind of taint my view of the snapshot or or taint my view of of the coming update. Um, I do eventually want to try it a little bit because I'd like to fill out the survey and kind of let them know some of the challenges that I'm facing, mm-hmm. um, which I think a lot of people should do if you do if you have the time. Um, I think it would be good, especially if you're not running a top of the line computer. Like if you're running something that's good, but not a potato, I think that would be an excellent kind of middle ground for them to get some feedback. Um, but one thing I did take away, which I was not expecting, uh, was um, the fact that they renamed some biomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them are a lot easier to wrap your head around and your tongue around as a podcaster, like jagged peaks and frozen peaks. They make sense. One's going to be frozen. <laughs> covered in ice the other one's going to be sharp and jagged mm-hmm. um so that kind of stuff i think is cool stony shore uh sparse jungle again they are what they sound like you know it's a stony shore <laughs> it's a jungle that's not as dense as the other jungle uh and having seen them on on video footage it makes sense and it looks cool and it makes a lot more sense for like a sparse jungle to be between a jungle and a plains biome rather than a wall of jungle just kind of ending you know, at the edge of something, which I think is cool. Uh, on the flip side, they've also gone into things like old growth pine taiga. There are no pine trees in Minecraft. There's <laughs> spruce trees. There's also an old growth spruce taiga. I want to know what the difference is between those two. Because <laughs> yeah, they're uh-huh. a mouthful. And I bet you they look real similar in the game. Yeah. Um, and then when you get into other things, like there's five different versions of windswept biomes. Now, some of them are pretty easy. Windswept bandlands, windswept savanna. Basically, to me, it sounds like it's just higher. They needed something to, to t- tell you this is higher than most other savanna and badland issues, uh, or not issues, but biomes. But then you get into like windswept, uh, like birch forests. And, and it's just like, like what? why do you need to... I guess give it these names when it's just going to be a birch forest. Like I, I, I feel like they could be more descriptive. I guess. Yeah. And le- I, and less and less verbose. I would love there to be windswept variants of some of the trees that generate kind of like azalea trees do, with like mm. all all of the leaves kind of bending to one side as though they have been windswept. Because otherwise, there is no wind in Minecraft, so we don't really. Like we, we don't have a, a frame of reference for that other than it just being like presume that the wind is happening up here. Although if that ends up being a cue for them to add, you know, windy ambience to some of those biomes eventually, then again, I'm all for it. But mm. uh yeah, I, I think right now there isn't a great deal to characterize things as windswept other than they're just being kind of tall. And the yeah. uh, the old growth thing happens with birch forests as well when you get those tall birch biomes where the trees are, you know, seven or eight blocks or more tall. Um, and so I've noticed that because I run into those quite a lot. And uh, yeah, the, there is very little difference between that and a regular birch forest except the height of the trees. So I expect the the spruce tigers may be clearing up the um, the kind of mega tiger generation, the one with pods all and stuff, I, I would assume. But if there isn't any difference between that and a normal tiger forest then yeah no idea really yeah um there's there's a couple of other terrain changes that i think seem good um biomes in particular it says in the changelog that they are like a little bit larger and that's kind of underselling it they're about twice the size um and i know uh, henrik posted a few more 
images on Twitter and, and a poll about like whether or not you think biomes are a better size now. I think I like biomes being larger overall, especially now we don't have world customization options that include a large biomes setting because it's good for larger build projects. It prevents you from stumbling into rare biomes basically on your doorstep unless you generate in a jungle uh, a lot of the time people are finding jungles within a short walk of their spawn point and people are complaining that you know jungles used to be more rare and you know this kind of changes up the balance of the game slightly but um i do like there being slightly larger areas to build in because one of the most painful things when you're building with a certain build style in a certain biome is when that biome changes over into you know a river or a savanna or a forest and the grass color changes and suddenly you think oh my whole my whole build palette has been thrown off at this point by like just a tiny subtle change in grass color that actually doesn't make it go as well with the materials that i've chosen uh so i'm looking forward to seeing a, a little bit more of the larger biomes again i noticed that as i was exploring the snapshot this week but i didn't spend too much time flying around and comparing it has meant that old worlds if you load up the same seed in a previous snapshot compared to this new snapshot, biomes are in completely different places. So I've generated, and it's clearly been the same terrain, the same cave entrances, the same mountains here and there, but they've been generating completely different biome wrappings to them. Uh, the paint has been layered on in a different way. And so I find that there are a couple of weird changes. And if you're upgrading from... Uh, one snapshot world to the next if you're if you're upgrading from 39a to 40a you might see there's a couple of weird biome borders wherever you last left off um gravel below y0 is super helpful in my experience i've spent a lot of time with this strider task kind of going down to deep slate level uh making a nether portal and realizing i had nothing to light it with <laughs> so i think having patches of gravel is going to be useful for folks who want to hunt down a flint and steel if they're trying to escape the uh the deep slate caverns as well you can build a nether portal hop through to the nether and hop back again to the overworld and you might be in a completely different place on the surface so that's not a bad idea and i think having gravel down there doesn't you know break up the landscape too much it still fits in quite well with the tough and the deep slate but uh, i think it's useful to have around yeah i like the idea of having some additional blocks you know uh, down below um y zero i i also i noticed just a language shift in the in the article just referring to things as height zero as yeah. to like y level or mm -hmm. because we've got a, a more more integers going on we've got a negative now so like height you know 30 height negative 30 height zero that kind of stuff i think it's a better way to talk about height in the game uh or a, a y value in the game um, but yeah, there's, there was a number of changes like that. I also, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you're happy about the, uh, the two to five copper shift. Yes, definitely. I, I lament the fact that it's probably going to be happening right as my copper king run on empires sort of ends, because I don't think we're planning on upgrading empires to 118 in the end, but I, I look forward to reprising that role in whatever worlds I end up finding. And the fact that you can get more cut copper out of a single copper block is really useful. I think copper just got a massive buff anyway mm -hmm. and is being made much more available in biomes like dripstone caves now as well um so yeah th there's potential for copper to really have a bit of a boom after it's been fairly difficult to get hold of in uh 1.17 just going mining for it and that's effectively you know encouraging people to explore more and it takes the same approach as 
there being naturally generated dripstone and lush caves do, because those are resources that you also kind of had to farm in 1.17, whereas now in 1.18 you'll uh, you'll find a lot more ways to stumble upon it. Um, let's quickly go over the bedrock beta, because I know you probably haven't spent any time really looking at this, but I, I briefly logged in... Um, to to see what it said about my uh, render distance and it said that even with my pc specs which i presume it's you know taking its cues from it was still recommending that i turn the render distance down from 64 chunks which is the default i play on to 48 uh this is without rtx rtx dramatically reduces the uh the available render distance just because of how much extra work it's putting into the rendering um but I ignored the prompt to change the render distance and performance was still fine. Um, with 64 chunks, I wasn't really noticing anything getting too chuggy. But overall, I think it's a good thing the game itself is suggesting this rather than players logging in to immediately find poor performance and having to adjust their own expectations. I think if the game sets expectations for that at first, that's a really good way of signposting that, hey, performance is going to be a little bit different to what you are used to. Um... Aside from that, I want to give a, a quick thanks to Prowl8413, uh, who is a member of our community here on, on Discord, but also um, at us on Twitter to let us know about the chunk border improvements now that they've updated uh, the way chunk borders blend from old into new terrain. And they are looking much smoother. Uh, there's some great screenshots that Prowl shared. I think a few other people have posted these on Twitter as well. The most noticeable areas are still where there are clashes between biomes, when you've got a snowy area that kind of blends with a more neutral kind of plains biome sort of area. You'll notice there being a, a hard border there. Um, and then high terrain is still a little bit sheer when it blends down into oceans, but it's looking way better either way like it the if you're blending from a fairly neutral grass color into another one you barely notice where the chunk border is and it's not a hundred block vertical walls of stone <laughs> so it's definitely going to be an improvement over the alternative and uh, i'm really hoping the java team has something similar in the works because it's going to make things a lot smoother for everybody transitioning those old worlds to new ones yeah i don't know if there's anything we can do about the chunk borders on biomes like that, like a grass biome going, or a plains biome going into a, a snowy biome. I mm. feel like you're going to get some straight lines uh, depending on how you've done your chunk trimming. If you're bringing, bringing an old world into a new world, uh, or if you're not trimming anything, if you're just going from chunks that you've not loaded and chunks that you have, um, that's why I'm thinking, you know, more and more on the Citadel by using some of our the the command block teleportation that we've established on the server it might be better to just go to a brand new area and mm -hmm. not try to get too much too carried away with um the chunk borders um or uh as you mentioned um the fact that the the landscape is not so bad um then maybe having things uh in chunk borders and oceans would probably be a good way to kind of hide them if there is a biome like line then if it's underwater you're not going to notice it as much as you would um with like a plains and a and a snowy biome yeah absolutely it, it's still leading to some quite interesting features like uh, prowl noticed one where there was a geode that had generated on one of these chunk borders and that was now melting into the ocean the way my mushroom had been in previous weeks but uh yeah i think overall it's 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 going really well i like the uh the improvements they've made to that a lot it, it feels a lot more natural now and given that there are some areas where pretty sheer cliffs generate in the rest of the world anyway it's not going to look too unnatural to have that stuff generating on the edges of your your chunk borders now 
Um, let's move on to chunk mail. Thinking of other other chunky things, uh, we've had some pretty chunky emails this week. And if you'd like to email the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. I'm going to read this first one that came in from Steve S. with the subject of ore generation and coal. Hi, Johnny and Joel. I've been playing the recent snapshots from time to time since the first underground caves were introduced. A problem I had then, and I still have right now, is that I can't seem to have enough coal out of everything every time. Usually, I would either go into a rather deep cave rather early on and find myself running out of torches or ending up with nothing to smelt my ores with. I can also see this becoming a problem for me in late game because I don't like dark spots in caves and would usually want to light up everything. In the massive caves, this just means an equally massive drain on torches, even with the adjustments on mob spawning light levels, so eventually I would run out and would have to exit the caves early. In the 1.16 caves, I would just bring a stack of wood so that I can mine coal and make torches on the way, but with new ore generation, this just isn't possible. I don't think this is a problem players should face, at least in the late game, and I think coal should be available in some form or another in the deeper caves. For example, it could be in an ore vein much like copper and iron, with andesite as an indicator, or it could generate near diamonds since they're both made of carbon. I want to know how you guys feel about this problem. Have you been running into uh, problems where you run out of torches? How do you deal with a new ore generation? Do you mine specifically for coal in a session and then go deep in the next session? Thank you both for the amazing podcast. Steve was blown up by a creeper he didn't see because it was too dark. Ah, those creepers. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'm trying to remember when I was playing with the experimental snapshots. uh, Aside from dying too much, I wasn't really worried about coal but if if i remember the one time i did manage to go caving for any length of time i think what i did was i chopped down a bunch of trees and i brought logs with me and i was making charcoal yeah both both on the surface at my little base camp and as i was going i would make more and more charcoal as i went to get me through because i did notice i didn't have like coal certainly not the abundance of it that you have in 116 Mm -hmm. mining yeah. Uh, so that was how I handled it. But uh, you have a lot more ex- survival experience in the snapshots than I do, specifically the ones that are not experimental. Yeah. Um. I, I think Steve has kind of nailed it with a couple of the points he made in the email about basically gearing up before you go caving. Eventually, that's going to mean you run out of stuff regardless. But I do think with what they are intending to do with this update, Mojang's intention is to change our approach to caving as part of this whole add strategy to mining ethos we've either got to gear up for long stretches in deep slate caverns or we've got to improvise um so like you were saying bringing charcoal or bringing wood that you can make out of charcoal is a great thing uh if you can find an abandoned mine shaft now that they have support pillars that are made out of wood uh they're made out of logs you take down a bunch of those you use the planks of the mineshaft to turn the logs into charcoal and then you make more charcoal out of that um so i think that's probably your best bet if you get completely lost is just to hope that you luck upon an abandoned mineshaft but it is definitely a common problem i found when you need to light up those huge caverns and especially now that the cave systems go on for in my experience much longer you find you run out of torches constantly lighting the area up even with you know spawning prevention being taken into account you're you're still going to want to light the area up um redstone torches are even an option at that point because they will block mob spawns now they give off light level 7 so they're effectively as good at blocking 
uh, mob spawns as torches were in previous versions <laughs> um, because they'll give off that kind of radius. Uh, they're not as nice to see by, though. Um, and while I have taken to punching redstone ore as I go past, because that lights up temporarily, even that's only like, you know, about 60 seconds maximum before it turns off again. So I think the, the key really is going to be either to bring enough stuff with you that you can at least cook up a bit of charcoal if you need to, bring a, a couple of stacks of logs and hope, or just go mining with fortune for coal as soon as you possibly can, if you're planning on going down that deep. I think our, um, our, our kind of emphasis in exploring the snapshots has been to, uh, to go down to deep slate level as quickly as possible, because that's the new part of the game and we want to experience that. But in the course of playing a standard Minecraft world starting in 1.18, I think you're going to want to spend a lot more time delving the like shallower cave layers before you go into deep slate level so i think really it's going to be about gearing up for a big caving run or at least knowing where your exits are if you get down into deep slate and find yourself without torches one of the things that i'm taking away from the uh, ore distribution graphic that they updated this week which is still not final but almost which i thought was a funny note uh i would say that you want to go up before you go down mm -hmm. like if you're standing at wide 63 you're staring at the ocean and you've got mountains to one side and caves to your other side go left like go, go up the mountain first mine into the mountain first because if you look at the graphic there are more exposed or more coal the higher you go up to looks like 96 or 104 as far as the height marker uh, if you go above 128 you're going to find even more of it and it's going to be exposed more often more than likely because the peaks are going to be narrower um, so you're going to find more coal and you're also going to find more iron the higher you go in the world too. Yes. Uh, the iron below Y64 looks to be smaller blobs. Uh, and also, uh, you have to go as far down as Y16 before you'll hit like a, the, the, like the most important part of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it looks to me like you might want to explore the cliffs before you explore the caves in the caves and cliffs update. Yeah, I can absolutely advocate for that approach because, yes, going uh, up into a mountain, if there is one nearby, is a really good way to get your early iron reserves. Like, if you want to grab a full suit of iron armor before you go caving, then I, I strongly recommend finding a mountain before you do that. And you might find a little bit of emerald ore while you're there, and you could silk touch it if you have the, the option. But no, I think uh, for coal and iron, definitely go mountaineering if you if you have the option. And I do think now that we are used to mining with Fortune 3 for everything because of gold, iron, and copper now dropping those raw items instead of the blocks themselves, I think people are more likely to have Fortune 3 from an earlier stage of the game, in which case just go to town on any coal veins you can find. You can even store them in your inventory as coal blocks that you can break down into nine coal later. And that way they're not going to take up stacks upon stacks of your inventory, but you'll still have a pretty healthy supply of coal when you go on that big caving run later. Our next email comes in from Halfman7777. New mobs and some words. I was excited when Minecraft finally released their video and then Agnes fell. Why Agnes? Hello, J&J. &J. I was thinking of what sort of new mobs they should add to the game. Now, did you guys notice that the duo were not anywhere that looked remotely like a cliff? It kind of looked like a weird lush cave. 
I'm thinking that there will be at least two cave mobs. We do have a panda and a polar bear, but not a bear. Bears usually dwell in caves. They live off of fish and sometimes vegetation. We have fish in the game already and vegetation in caves. Glow berries come to the rescue. So I'm thinking that some sort of bear will be a mob that we can vote on. Then uh, tying a mob in with the cliffs part of the caves and cliffs, I think we really need a new flying mob. I still hate you phantoms. So here I propose some sort of gliding mob, something that doesn't really fly like a flying squirrel. Maybe it could be aggressive until you tame it with some sort of cliff related item. Halfman7777 was dropped by one of those unnamed flying mobs and couldn't take out a water bucket in time. Yeah, I guess that means they're now Quarterman7777. Uh, <laughs> Possibly. Water bucket dexterity is going to be essential for 1.18, so brush up. <laughs> uh, good to know. I, I, was, I was expressing my uh, excessive use of water buckets, waterlogging things under the river. <laughs> so I've got my water logging bucket skills up to par, but my water saving bucket is never i've never been able to do it i've never been able to figure it out uh, i can use it to climb up and down stuff like on a waterfall but like jumping off of something 200 blocks tall and putting the water bucket down at the last minute nope just mm -hmm. not a skill that i possess um i i did notice that agnes fell into a cave when she fell if you're watching the video closely you can see her pass through the dirt block and you can see her fall into what looks kind of like a blue cave block yeah uh, behind it's very subtle it's obviously meant to be how they get to the next scene i'm assuming that she's gonna be like hey jens come down uh so that's probably going to be where we pick up um but thinking about a cave mob um a bear, I could see that be more of a being more of a forest mob. I don't know if they'd focus on a on a cave. Yeah. I could see them doing something about a mole or a gopher. My first instinct was definitely mole. We had to edit the email down for, for length, but they did mention something about like a digging mob, a mob that would be burrowing through things. And mm -hmm. uh, we talked last week about the idea of a mob like digging itself into sand for protection or hiding or springing out at the player. And I like the idea of a, of a, a mole or a gopher. I think squirrel... Uh, and I think forests, and I think we already have foxes skittering around and tigers, and I think squirrels are unfortunately probably low on the totem pole because they kind of have the same vibe, bushy mm -hmm. tail, skittering around in the woods. Um, however, it did make me think, uh, especially because it's fall here uh, in, in my neck of the woods, and I think a lot could be added with ambient squirrel sounds in forests like you don't have to add the mob but you could also just add like the sounds of squirrels and birds uh in in you know forest biomes kind of add a little bit to them uh but why stop at something like a mole and a gopher when you can pull something straight out of avatar the, avatar the last airbender like a badger mole or a platypus bear um <laughs> Kidding aside, I know those are really funny examples, but I think something unique in caves would be fun, like a strider, you know, mm -hmm. like like what they did with um, some of the other mobs in the game. I think it could be really cool to have something. Uh, I know axolotls are real animals, but and Minecraft put their own spin on it. But I, I really think it would be neat. Um, my brain is kind of stuck on the hybrid animal now, like a platypus bear. But like it would be really cool if they did something that was a little bit more whimsical i i guess in the caves you have an opportunity to not have it be something that already exists mm -hmm. yeah definitely i i think the i i would love them to introduce more unique mobs uh something that takes a bit more of a fantasy spin something that is perhaps more unique to minecraft as opposed to something that you can lift from other games in similar genres right i, th I think uh obviously there's a limited amount you can pull from animals in the real world 
And in previous years, they've wanted to make sure that the focus on real animals is either on domestication or conservation. So, you know, you've got goats, you've got cows, the kind of stuff that it's okay for players to farm. And then you've got things like polar bears, which are kind of lonely and will attack you if cubs are nearby. And you've got axolotls, which are rare and you can, you know, maybe use them in, in water a little bit. Then there's um, a few different categories of stuff, but then the... Uh, the neutral or more aggressive mobs are always going to be more fantastical creatures. But we don't have that many neutral or passive mobs which are fantastical creatures but don't get aggressive. So I do wonder if some kind of, yeah, like digging animal is going to encourage people to explore the caves a little bit more. Um, I will also throw in my lot for owls as a gliding mob rather than being a squirrel kind of thing. I think owls could add a lot to ambience in the same way you're thinking of squirrels doing. Um, with ambient sounds, they could potentially hunt rabbits for you if you're somebody who doesn't really like uh, getting your hands dirty looking for rabbit hide for a bundle, assuming bundles are going to be in the game because they're still not enabled in the snapshots like normal. Um, yeah, there is potential for a variety, of, uh, a variety of things here. And I do like the bear idea, but I do think at this point the community has expressed a little bit of dissatisfaction with there being too many variants of other mobs. I think that was a point against the glow squid for people who voted against the glow squid last time. And it's the complaint people have had about drowned was it's another zombie variant. So I'm, I'm wondering if we need the third bear much as the We Bear Bears fans would probably enjoy it. Um, I, I do think we're going to have, uh, you know, p potentially some more unique options coming up in this most recent mob vote. Okay, special updates. I was really hoping this was going to be the case, and it was. We have our first mob for the mob vote 2021, the Glare. There's a short video of this which we'll link in our show notes. It's on Twitter. It's probably on YouTube as well. We just all watched it as a group here in Discord, and we want to give our first impressions. My first impression is that this looks like Oscar the Grouch has been taken out of his trash can. I like this. <laughs> I like the little cartoony thing. It's it's unique, and from what we saw in the video, it seems to float around and lets you know when there are dark areas. So this is interesting. This actually ties into some of the mechanics they've introduced with the most recent snapshot of, you know, torches and light levels actually fully blocking mob spawns and so this glare floats around and shows you potentially makes grumpy noises when it's in a dark enough area for hostile mobs to spawn yeah i i first thought it was a plant because i was thinking like lush cave you know like my brain kind of went lush cave and i thought mm -hmm. it was a plant that was that had like a venus flytrap but with like eyeballs inside of it um but uh the fact that it floats around is neat and uh, I wonder if this could be something that could help um, players that have accessibility issues. Like if you can't see when it's dark enough in game, having an audio cue when it's dark enough in game that mobs could spawn could be very helpful. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll briefly read the copy that they put on this uh, blog post. The first couple of paragraphs are at least relevant to a description of this. Uh, Minecraft Live is fast approaching. This year's mob vote candidates are chomping at the bit. Well, I'm the one who keeps chomping at bits of sandwiches. None of the mobs have any chomping mechanics, but they all have lots of other fancy skills. And today we will be taking a closer look at the dark sourcing glare. The glare is not only super cute, but it also helps you out a lot. It hates, hates the darkness. 
Who doesn't? But besides being super relatable, it will also show you areas that are dark enough for monsters to spawn. It does this by flying to dangerously dark areas and then throwing a hissy fit. With the glare by your side, you'll know that each tantrum will not only lead to me turning this car right back around, but also possibly monsters. Ah! And uh, yeah, the vote is linked on this. Uh, sorry, the video is linked on this blog post as well. So we can probably link to that in our show notes. Um, it occurs to me that we're potentially going to see this um, being used to help players torch grid in caverns. Um, and that could be an interesting thing because this is something players have either like wanted for a while in terms of like, you know, a, a way to see where dark areas are. You find mods often assisting players with that, putting like, you know, crosses on the ground where there are areas that can potentially spawn stuff. And this is a more organic way of doing that without you having to rely on something that takes you out of the, the immersion of the game. Uh, but it also means that you can place torches in a slightly more organic way assisted by this thing and it doesn't have to look quite so regimented the way you lay out your your light sources so I'm, I'm thinking potentially this has a lot of good thoughts behind it how that works in game obviously remains to be seen but the movement of the thing the design of it is is pretty appealing to me and like we've been saying in this show very happy this is a, a more original monster yeah, uh, it looks like, as you said, Oscar the Grouch and Slimer from Ghostbusters kind of <laughs> smashed together. What, uh, if the glare was a glow-in-the-dark mob, kind of like the glow squid, do you think that would be helpful or cool? It would I certainly kinda... make it more visible, yeah. And, um... and I kind of want it to drop little particles on the ground. Like when lava drips from the ceiling, I kind of want little <laughs> green goo drops to drop behind it so you can see where it went. That would be really cool. You can get those green particles if you're um, underneath a block that a slime is on top of, but you see those so rarely because it's not that often that you encounter slimes above you in a cave. So mm. they could they could reuse those particles to great effect. Um, yeah, like it looks like it's made of lettuce. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I really like that about it. So um, yeah, obviously we're not going to get the other two mobs until later this week, presumably Wednesday and Friday, unless they plan on releasing them on successive days so we might get a, a monday tuesday wednesday release but keep your eyes peeled look at minecraft on twitter or minecraft on youtube or even follow minecraft.net to look out for the next couple of mobs because we don't want to cast our lot in with the glare right now depending on you know what comes next we might have a better option but once again you can tune in to hear us give all of our thoughts about minecraft live at twitch.tv slash on saturday october 16th at noon eastern time <laughs> Well, speaking of options, uh, in our main discussion this week, I thought it would be kind of a cool idea to uh, review the mob vote, uh, take a look back at some of the things that have been suggested over the years. Uh, the The mob vote is not always, you know, aimed at our demographic. I mean, I think it's meant for younger viewer retention and, and viewer engagement in yes. terms of Minecraft Live. Absolutely. Uh, but if you are new to this, because we've noticed, uh, I mean, I've noticed anyway, that there's been a fair amount of people that... Um, have been coming into the podcast community that are new to the game, relatively speaking, compared to you or I, or even some of our other members. And uh, because their kids were into it, but like this might be their first Minecraft Live. And so if we rewind the time back to 2017, there was the first mob vote. Famously, this is where we got phantoms. Uh, but there were four mobs and they were mob A, B, C, and D. Uh, a was a, mo a monster of the ocean depths. 
uh, something that could pull you down and drown you. Uh, Ma B was the monster of the night skies, later renamed the Phantom, which is what won the Ma vote. Uh, Mob C was the Great Hunger, which we referred to on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's like it was a swamp dwelling, looked like an alligator, but didn't have a body. It was mostly just a head. Yeah, it was a head with uh, legs, which was yeah. kind, kind of adorable, but like a, a giant yeah. mouth that was going to eat enchantments, which eventually was Something functionality like that. that got added to the grindstone. Yeah, uh, and had a very uh, Studio Ghibli feel about the whole thing. Uh, Mob D was the Hovering Inferno. Just picture a bigger blaze with shields was basically what what that looked like uh mm-hmm. anyway the way that all that all broke down uh there were 2700 votes in round one 4700 votes in round two and then 2200 votes in round three with mob a at 23 percent mob b the winner at 52 mob c the great hunger a close second at 48 percent, and then mob d at 28 percent. so clearly it was between the phantom and the great hunger uh as the two favorites uh, in 2018, there wasn't a mob vote, but there was a biome vote. Uh, and the the thing I want to note here is the increase in votes. In the round one vo- round one voting, it went from 2,700 votes to 56,000 votes. That's huge. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, massive turnout. I, I think that was also because people knew what to expect. I think initially Minecraft Live uh, or, or Minecon Live as it was back then, or even Minecon Earth, I forget. I forget what it was even called. But it was um, it, it it didn't necessarily communicate that the poll was going to take place on Twitter, and so I think in 2018 people knew what to expect because it was taking the same format as previous, and that they'd communicated beforehand. You'll be able to participate in this poll via Twitter. So I think at this time people knew where to show up, and they they definitely showed up a lot more. And so uh, the around the same amount of people voted in the second round. It was like 54,000. Uh, but out, out of that vote, the Taiga won with 65%. And that gave us berry bushes, campfires, and foxes. Uh, desert was last at 17%. The proposition there were palm trees and meerkats. And Savannah was 35%, which I believe would have been what you and I were gunning for back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And that had the baobab tree termites and the ostrich uh, as the mob suggested there yes the, the biome vote sorry go ahead the ostrich was really what sold me on savannas i gotta say but i'm very happy we got the tiger because of uh berry bushes campfires and foxes i love the foxes i think campfires are super useful berry bushes i can take or leave but i think it was uh, ultimately a good decision by the community the uh where, 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 oh sorry uh, lost my place <clears throat> The biome vote in September of 2019 brought in 255,000 votes in round one and 228,000 votes in round two. Uh, And you'll notice about a 14% difference there. That's because when the Badlands lost, (laughs) they stopped voting. Yeah. Um, So Badlands came in at 14% with tumbleweed, a new cactus, and a vulture. No one liked the vulture. I thought it was cool. The swamp was at 47% with the chest boat, the mangrove tree, and the frog. And then mountains, of course, was the winner at 53%. Not, uh, again, not terribly far ahead of swamp. Like, the, these winners are not, like, winning by landslides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was uh, landscape changes in mountains, uh, snowier snow, and, of course, the goat. Uh, in between the 2019 and 2020 votes, we had the... Unpredicted Java Edition 1.15b, 
we didn't get a heads up about that with a vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had the Piglins, Zoglins, and Striders come in in 2020 with the 116 release. Again, no vote on that kind of stuff. Uh, in 2020, the mob vote was a whopping 830, 000, sorry, 837,000 votes in round one and 740,000 votes in round two. Now, again, just four years earlier, 2700 votes <laughs> yeah to... it's, it's it's gone from like you know the the population of a small town to the population of a small country it's like yeah. you know it, it goes through the cool quarter mill in uh, 2019 and in 2020 it's like yeah we'll triple that <laughs> that's that's yeah. uh that's what we got for yeah nearly a million people voting in last year's mob vote is uh pretty intense now, I didn't get quite into the weeds on this one because it's going to be fresh in our minds uh, just being last year. But uh, the Moo Bloom was at 28%, the Isolager at 34%, and the Glow Squid, of course, won at 36%. Uh, so again, Isolager and Glow Squid, very close. Uh, mm-hmm. And actually, Moo Bloom wasn't too far behind. It was a pretty dead race, I think, the last time. We were we were concerned, I think, the Moo Bloom was going to take away with it Yeah. Uh, when, when we were watching it live, if I remember correctly. Uh, I have a hard time remembering what I had for dinner on Friday. So remembering what I was, you know, doing during Minecraft Live last year has been challenging. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the thing that I I find so clear about the the data, which is going to be linked in our show notes, I pulled these all from the wiki page, so it's pretty easy to find. Um, it is a huge uptick in player engagement. And I want to know if that also coincides with a, a popularity growth in Minecraft. Like I mm-hmm. know it's always been a popular game, but I want to know if the 2017 to 2020, 21 kind of run also coincides with like crazy uptick in player adoption, just like more people playing in general. I'd be curious to know if that was also uh, a thing as well. Uh, but obviously there's a lot of people that are engaged with the game and uh, like the idea of being able to vote and make suggestions and and see those suggestions um, potentially come to fruition uh, in the game. Um, I think the issue with this kind of thing is that um, Bojang is it's a talented team of developers and there are always several good ideas ultimately leaving some players disappointed. Uh, You might really like meerkats. Uh, You might also really like foxes, but you kind of want the meerkats to win. And then the fox wins. And you're just like, well, I mean, I'm not disappointed. I like foxes. But like at the same time, I kind of, I wish they would just add the meerkat. Like, why are they telling us about all these three great ideas and not, and only adding the one Mm -hmm. instead of, instead of doing more? Um, I think that there's also that kind of like, you don't miss what you don't know about. So take bees, for example. Almost everyone that I talk to about Minecraft loves the bees. Mm-hmm. They're not saying the bees are okay, but I really wanted the butterfly. Because <laughs> they didn't tell you they were going to add a butterfly or a bee. Yeah, they uh-huh. just added the bee. So there's there's a little bit of like that psychology of like the grass is greener. Or if I have more than enough options and I'm ultimately going to be you know, either paralyzed with choice or I'm going to be disappointed that the one that I really want doesn't get in because other people have more options. Whereas if it's just, we made bees, they're cool. Everybody's like, yay, bees. And then that's it. Um, Now on the other side of things, you've got the length of the development cycle and the other biomes that they say um, that they were, they want to work into the game. They never said when, but now it's been four years and 
the cool idea of like tumbleweeds and vultures, different cactus, like some of these things don't feel like they require an entire Minecraft cycle update, right? Like you kind of feel like a new cactus could be added to the game at any point. Um, so it starts to, you know, the brain starts to wonder why these things haven't been added. But on the flip of that, you also have the mountains, which won the biome vote and has led to a complete overhaul of the entire game. Yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's just like the overworld terrain generation that we're seeing now in caves and cliffs is a result of the mountain biome winning. I can, I can feel that snowball, pardon the pun, rolling <laughs> down the mountain uh, at Mojang. And they realize, well, if we're going to do this, we might as well do this. And all of a sudden we're in, you know, a two part update that's taken more than a year and a half to complete, which again, I think is great. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. So there are some happy, I don't want to say accidents, but there's some some happy doors that are opened mm -hmm. with the mob votes, as well as some doors that are kind of sad that they're closed because um, something that I know you mentioned before on the show is that for people that don't know, in the mob A, B, C, D vote, the the catch was that the mobs that did not get voted in would never be voted in like they're yeah. just they're they're ruled out it's not an option whereas mm -hmm. they were very clear about that in the other mob votes and biome votes is that we're not saying we'll never update the desert we're just saying that this is the de this is the update that you would want us to do first yeah right yeah no i'm i'm very happy that's the approach they take now because it was a crushing disappointment to know that we were never going to get the the hovering inferno the wildfire i think as it became known internally uh, we did get a very brief uh, easter egg of that appearing as a statue in the nether levels of minecraft dungeons but that is as close as it has got to making it into actual minecraft which is kind of unfortunate and um yeah the like i said the some of the functionality of stuff like the great hunger mob can be added to villager workstations and there, there are there are compromises i suspect that even had the phantom not won that vote there would maybe be some other mechanics that they introduced later that would lead to some kind of insomnia effect, maybe like an overlay on the screen that kind of prompted players to go to sleep more frequently. And um, yeah, there's there's always going to be ways that some of that other stuff can inch its way into the game. Uh, mob A from that vote was really just another aquatic mob, another hostile creature uh, that was going to be like pulling players downwards as they're trying to get to the surface uh, in, in oceans. And we already have stuff like the Drowned, and that was the year they announced the update Aquatics. So, you know, it, it would have gone along with the theme of the update very well, but we were already getting enough with oceans after that that we were kind of happy we hadn't voted that mob in. Um, and I do think that, going back to what you were saying before, I do think that this does coincide with, if not necessarily like an uptick in... Uh, you know, player interest and like new people adopting Minecraft. It's these are definitely the updates that have really gone from strength to strength since uh, 2017 because that was the update Aquatic, Village and Pillage, uh, Bees and Bugs or whatever it was called, uh, the Buzzy Bees update, and then um, and then obviously the Nether update after that, and now Caves and Cliffs. So the the team has really been cranking out some very impressive updates that I think overall the community has been super happy with. Uh, especially in retrospect. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think the amount of engagement these mob votes are getting is proof that the community is solidifying around Minecraft as a game that clearly has a future and people are really happy with the updates and they want to see what's coming next because 
each year has been building on the successes of the year before it. So I'm I'm curious to see how many people participate in this mob vote. I expect it's probably going to be in the region of the amount of votes they got last year, if not more so. Um, because Caves and Cliffs has been such a an energizing update for people. The second half of it is on its way. People are looking forward to that, and we're still going to be hearing about what's you know yet to come beyond Caves and Cliffs Part Two. So I'm I'm hoping that the attendance is going to be really good for this one. And like you said, the the this kind of thing ultimately leads to somebody being disappointed, um, because there's a lot of thought that goes into each of the mobs. Um, even last year when people thought that the Moobloom and the Glow Squid didn't have a great deal of information presented along with them, we later got a lot more fleshing out of the Glow Squid and we ended up with a feature that I think is fantastic for, you know, you know text glowing is, is such an important accessibility feature and also just leads to better readability in general. I'm so happy that's how text is rendered in the game and, and that we have the option of doing that, that I think it's uh, it's ultimately turned out very well for the Glow Squid. Um, the mob vote is there for a variety of reasons, I think, but the main one, like you said, is audience engagement and retention. The people who, uh, you know, especially younger folks who are maybe not going to want to sit through all of the, you know, the devs talking about various bits and pieces that they've been working on are going to tune back in to see like, oh, is the mob that I like the look of going to win? Uh, so yeah, potentially it keeps the eyes on the screen for a little bit longer. And the thing that really strikes me this year is how short notice that the mob choices have been presented to us like i said like we're we're recording this five or six days before minecraft live happens and at the time of this recording at this point we still don't know what any of the mobs are and so i'm wondering if the short notice is aimed at preventing people arguing over this for a while <laughs> and and kind of like the 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 piling on each other's communities about like who's voting for what and you know the kind of antagonistic relationship that some people seem to have about like which mob is going to win and it's all in good fun ultimately but yes there are definitely people who think phantoms were a mistake and we should never have voted for them with four years worth of hindsight it's easy enough to say that i think whatever ends up being the uh the spread of mobs this year i'm i'm hopeful that whatever it is it's going to end up being a good contribution to the game yeah i think posting the options closer to the announcement kind of keeps the division among the community or the piling on you know um a little bit on the lower side um i also feel like because of the vagueness of the announcement videos uh, and the 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 kind of lateness of it all, uh, I'm kind of setting my expectations low for Minecraft Live. Uh, I'm feeling a lot of buzz around like the end update, just anecdotally in my own communities and stuff. And as the 119 announcement kind of comes close, I think players should rein those expectations in for both the announcement and the mob vote. Uh, I'm gonna be happy to be proven wrong, but I'm just getting this gut feeling that while I want a platypus bear, I'm expecting a cave spider variant, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. for at least one of the mob options. Like I'm just, I'm not expecting anything that's really gonna be stretching what we know and have seen from Minecraft Live before. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that. I think um, people people get a, very, very excited about this stuff. And I 
I do kind of wonder that there is there is potential for it to include the the caves as as part of it. Like I, I think you know our, our instincts responding to the email earlier were kind of kind of close in that it's going to be up until 1.19 we're not going to see whatever the result of this mob vote is and if it turns out to be as monumental as uh the the biome vote for mountains was we're not going to see that for a while because it could potentially lead to them deciding that something needs to change about the game we could end up with uh them reconsidering how this mob should balance into mob spawning and then have them overhaul mob spawning in ways we've seen them experimenting with in the experimental snapshots um but you know it, it can have that kind of knock-on butterfly effect uh for the game or it can just be something relatively kind of you know something that we've seen before in the last year's mob vote they did pull each of the contestants if you want to call them that from other minecraft games there was the isologer from minecraft dungeons the other two were from minecraft earth and they were variants of existing mobs basically it was a variant cow and a variant squid so they still have a wide library of those mobs to pull from and there is the potential for other stuff from minecraft earth to be brought in other stuff from minecraft dungeons to be brought in maybe that's alongside a new original creation or an animal that's never been seen in minecraft before but I, I do think people should, like, yeah, keep keep their expectations low and be surprised instead of setting your expectations high and being disappointed. I feel like you can, you can take some positivity away from it uh, at that stage. And, yeah, I, I think the same approach can really be taken about the, the theme of this update because I think people are expecting a lot after the Nether and the Overworld have had such massive updates. But if anything... The fact that they had to split this update and they were talking about the team's health and making sure they didn't crunch on developing caves and cliffs has made me think, I expect the next update is going to be smaller. I don't expect it to be something as big as, say, an overhaul of the outer end biomes, because I I don't expect they'll want to update all three of the dimensions in such quick succession. Like you, I'm happy to be proved wrong. Um, but it'd be a lot of work to follow those up, and I, I think the team is going to want to pace themselves given what they've learned from developing Caves and Cliffs. I think, too, that, and this is pure speculation, that an update to the end is certainly probably happening. It's just not going to be announced. You yeah. know, it, it, if, it's, if it's happening, it's percolating in the background because it, it's going to require that kind of time. It's going to require that kind of... Um, feedback from the community on how technically uh, caves and cliffs lands. Like I think caves and cliffs has to land before a decision could be made about something as wide and as huge as the end, as an end update, right? And so I'm with you. I think that also from team health perspective and stuff like that. And to be very clear, happy with any update, <laughs> you know, like it is mm -hmm. moving a game forward that I paid $30 for six years ago i can't remember how long it's been like that to me like it's just i don't want to sound like i'm an ungrateful player you know uh i, I think that uh the bees update was okay it's bees and then after a while we're like oh wow okay there's honey blocks uh there's a lowers a lot more to that than we thought um and so i wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of middle of the road you know, idea that, that they have. I don't know what that is. I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, but like, I'm I'm looking forward to whatever it is. I'm always curious. Uh, and having you know been more involved with the Minecraft community, of course, since I started the podcast with you, I 
I'm I find that I'm more intrigued by game development and like what decisions are made and why. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to the announcement on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm crossing my fingers for it to be something big, but also you know <laughs> big within reason uh, is is kind of the mantra I think right now. And we could be seeing something you know to do with archaeology. We could be doing seeing something to do with you know existing generated structures building on some of the stuff that we've seen in caves and cliffs by introducing new biomes to the underground there are a few different options there or it could be something a little smaller like the the bees update where we get a few more technical things a bit more of a focus on version parity between java and bedrock but also a couple of key features that you know turn out to be really useful especially as the game continues to grow and it will be so excited to see what they've got in store for us it's really hard to believe that this is the last show we're doing before we will know about all of that but believe me next week's episode is going to be pretty action-packed if they announce anything at all uh which we're pretty certain they're going to uh judging by the amount of pre-announcements videos they've been making uh, but for now, that's going to be it from this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all enjoy Minecraft Live. And once again, a quick reminder that we will be streaming Minecraft Live and restreaming it and giving our first impressions of all of the announcements at the uh, the same time that Minecraft Live goes live. We'll be going live over on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash at noon Eastern time, Saturday, October 16th. So drop a follow if you want to get notified of that happening. And in the meantime, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, please consider putting some value back in. You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can chat to people in the community, listen to the show live as it is recorded, and you get us closer to our next milestone goal of having a monthly Minecraft audio hangout with our listeners. We're currently at 296 patrons patrons would love it if we could hit 300 at some point this month we are definitely up five from last week so it could happen and special thanks go to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram personal recommendations are by far the best way though just tell a friend about the spawn chunks and that they can listen to it on itunes Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube, really wherever they can find a podcast. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please use that email address. The RSS feed is linked at the spawnchunks.com, and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where my Empire's SMP and Hardcore Survival Guide series are currently ongoing. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am up to online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can listen to The Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment at thecitadelcafe.com. I'm going to be talking with, I believe, Lou this week about uh, Black Widow, which is on Disney+, and whatever Lou's been watching. We don't know yet. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I have been dividing my time between Satisfactory and Minecraft, both of which are having announcement updates this month, so it's an exciting time. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, yet Minecraft Live is so close.